0: Hello, good day, welcome, bienvenido to the SBS Cycling Podcast for the week of the 10th of September 2015, your weekly review of all things cycling. I'm Al Hines. This week on the show, after two hard fought weeks of racing, the world enters its final four stages and it's poised to be a battle of three. We'll look at the state of the race and gaze into our very hazy crystal balls to deduce the winner of the 2015 event, recap the action since last week including a win for a forgotten Schleck and a bad break from an Australian, plus have a gander at what's still to come at La Vuelta including a cobbled finish and an Avila and one final mountain test that could change everything to Circa Deja. That's all this week, a very vuelta edition, but who could blame us before we get into that? Quick shout out to Frances Pauline ferrand Prevot, who after winning the cross-country mountain bike world Title last weekend, becomes a triple reigning world champion across three disciplines, uh, adding to her cyclo cross and her road world title. Pretty good, Danny. She's
1: uh, she's eclipsed uh, Mariana Voss, I think. She's uh, Ooh, be cool. She's a bit uh, sexier than Voss, I reckon, too. So she's eclipsed her
0: in four titles? Yeah,
1: yeah. The sexy title. The, 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 I'm
0: not sure if that's the, a current world title. The unofficial. Title. Just like this is
1: the unofficial. Well, the podcast.
0: Indeed. Very much unofficial, um, but uh, pretty damn good for for Anne Prevost. Uh, in some ways, yeah, I think probably this season, considering Voss has pretty much taken a very much a back seat, she, even, she hasn't been racing for much of this year. Uh, Prevost probably easily the premier women's cyclist, you'd have to say. Yeah, I mean,
1: we don't get to see much of the women's racing, as you know. I mean, look, I, I... I have to be honest I haven't seen much of the men's racing the last couple <laughs> of weeks either uh, but uh, no I did actually stay up to watch the the TT? Uh, the, the TT it was pretty glorious really uh, the, the, just I, I I just wanted to see dumalan in full <laughs> flight uh, I wanted to see if you know I, I thought uh, he di- he just did everything perfectly but then I think what was not spoken about so much is I think that Aru did a, a race. It's it's funny to say, this. I think he did a race-winning time trial.
0: Yeah, he did a very, very good time trial. We'll get into all of that um, in a, a, a wee bit. Uh, Tanny. it's just man new this week, isn't it? It's just uh, a duo podcast. We had a duo podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, after ringing around the Rob Arnold from Ride, Phil Gomes from SBS, yeah. uh uh, I gave Rupert Guinness, SMH and cycling news journalist, a call. No one would take us. Everyone's busy. So uh, just me and you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I noticed that some of our um, peers over at the, the cycling podcast, you know, you've got Daniel Freebies has gone off to... Oh, I don't know. Tour some... of Britain, perhaps? No, no, no. He's left the country. In <laughs> fact, he's just got to live in um, Berlin or something like that for a couple of months. So cheaper rent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the, this is the situation. This is the milieu you face being a sports journalist these days. I noticed the Guardian where you work hours put out a sports writers workshop uh, in Melbourne. I think at the end of. This month, I think, why bother? Because
0: there's no money in it. I know. Actually, on a somewhat related note, I got asked by uh, the the my old high school uh, sort of old boys union to come and talk about journalism as part of a lot of careers in this thing, and uh, I really don't know what I'm going to say because it's. uh, Sometimes it feels a very sorry industry indeed, but uh, it has yeah. its high points as well. We shouldn't, I shouldn't dwell on the darkness. Tanny, let's uh, talk about Love Vuelta. Uh, the last, it's been quite a few stages, six stages since last we had a podcast. Um, and to recap, bef- where we last left off, left off rather. Uh, Danny Van Poppel took the uh, finish stage to Leda. Uh, Fabio Rui remained the overall leader and then as the race worked its way towards a, a triplicate of mountains uh, we had Alessandro De Marchi he had a, a, a really good Tour de France a couple of years back and uh, he was back at it again with a, a really nice stage win Joaquin Rodriguez with a what, what could have well been a race winning ride at least upended the classification uh, he moved into red after his Mountain stage win on Sotres Cabriales, and uh, and then Frank Schleck, geez, I'd forgotten that he even was still racing, Tanny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, with uh, the win just before the second rest day, Joaquín Rodríguez obviously took the red jersey into it. But then, of course, last night we had the time trial, and you've, as you mentioned, Tanny, Tommy Dumoulin, which I guess everyone expected to do very well there. That was no surprise that he um, took. Well, I suppose it was a slight surprise that he took back red. It was quite an emphatic ride, really, Tani. Yeah, I mean, this is a
1: guy, you know, let's imagine, let's go to the back to the start on the beach there and uh, imagine that this guy two weeks ago was given a 1,000-to-1 shot. Of winning this race, and about I think if you put it down a dollar for him to finish on the podium, you, and he if he does finish on the podium, which is most likely will, you would have got a couple of hundred dollars. So yeah, now now um, I think going into the time trial, he was around even to um, to win the world. I I still think as good as a ride, he did, you know something like oh is it 50.5 kilometres an hour average? Not
0: bad, um, after three, nearly three weeks. Yeah, <laughs>
1: putting a minute into the next place. Guy, I can't pronounce his first name, Bodnar, so I would pronounce his surname. <laughs> I probably did that incorrectly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, to put a minute into the next place, Guy, a time trial specialist, and he's been having to... He's basically ridden the whole welter uh, like a time trial, and that's why he's been able to... Still be good in this third week. Um, I know we'll speak about it um, going going um, ahead, but I, I just sort of yeah, it's it's it can't be over. I don't even think. I heard some commentators say it's a two-horse race. I still don't know because you've still got the movie star duo of Quintana and Valverde uh, about three minutes or so behind.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you're right. I mean, and there are some tough challenges ahead. We'll, we'll talk about some of those uh, stages ahead uh, in, a, in a little bit, but uh, Tanny, let's get into the meat of the podcast, and uh, we'll do that with uh, Guy's beautiful music. Thank you very much, Gay. Well, there has been much happening in La Vuelta Espana. We could have talked about the Tour of Britain. We could have talked about the upcoming World Championships, but uh, to be honest, I, I just didn't really prepare for those. So uh, we're going to keep it at the Vuelta Tanny and uh, yep, hopefully people will stay tuned in. A few things I want to talk about, uh, particularly first up, one thing that I suppose the most uh, news, newsy thing that we can talk about: Cameron Meyer broke his collarbone. Uh, last night in the time trial, that means that he's out of the race. No surprises there. But uh, he still finished. Yeah, I, I, do you know he's still finished in the top twenty? Pretty solid. I think. Yeah. I think he'll probably be uh, ejecting himself from the race now. However, yeah, that's um, ejecting himself, not injecting no, himself no, no. into the race. <laughs> um, what, is, what do you think? That's a, a potentially a problem for someone who's in a contract year. I mean, this is something that. I know it's very late in the season. He he may well have already had his deal signed, but he would have loved to have notched a little result, bumped his number up a little bit. Um, We know that he's leaving Orica Greenedge. Do you think he would have... I mean, I suppose it's an obvious thing to say. Yeah,
1: he needed a result. Um, I think OG were good enough to put him into the Vuelta to give him a chance. It's just like Cavendish. Cavendish's deal is most likely done with MTN Quebeca and bringing across, um, you know, his little entourage of uh, Renshaw et Albert, But I would say he still needs a win in the Tour of Britain. I don't think he's... Has he got there yet? No. So, um, you know, these, these guys, I mean, it's pretty sensitive time and...
0: Uh, Particularly because it is as... I mean, this is not something that's... Ever really, you can't really say it's not like an easy market, but it's another really tight contract market after last year. There aren't that many rides out there. Um, I don't know if a deal's been
1: done with Meyer. You know, I haven't spoken to him recently, haven't seen much news on him. We just know he's going. Uh, so it's funny enough, you know, just going back to, you know, we're talking last week or the week before about the Yates twins. And, you know, when they signed OG, they said, one of them, uh, said that he would like to become like a Meyer before that they signed. And, and, uh, uh, you know, if they could, if he could do what Meyer did from the track to the road, then they'd be really happy with that. But, Cam hasn't really done too much. I think he's been inhibited. It's a product of not so much, you know, he's got enormous talent, but I just don't think that environment suits him. Mm-hmm. And uh, unlike, you know, the other guys like Chavez, for example, so uh, who, who loves it and signed a three-year deal, a three-year extension, I should say, uh, just a couple of days ago. So I would say um, Myers' deal... Isn't done otherwise it would have been announced now, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, I, I, I did see a piece of news uh, not so long ago saying that it was fielding a few offers, um, yeah. but I mean, that's uh sometimes that can mean a lot of things. The agent can seem sometimes it can just be as little as we've got interest, yeah. Um, but until a deal is done, you can be you can find yourself very quickly in a difficult position. That's just the nature of cycling, yeah. even yeah. if one, one, uh, one team rescinds their offer. but... A shame for cam he might be able to turn things around before the world championships but uh what is he broken though collarbone nah so, well I mean if it's a, if the it's
1: worlds a, is like in you know, a fortnight yeah man. but if it's,
0: if it's a minor if it's a minor break then
1: uh yeah I think it's more the time he will take uh he'll the form he'll lose while he's not riding on the road i'm pretty sure if you break your collarbone even if it's a it's a good break uh sounds strange a good break then he'll still um uh, be out of action you know the thing he needs to prep himself this is why these guys people go why are they riding they need a three-week race to prepare for the walls It's to get that competition that hardness into their legs Uh, even though a lot of world's aspirants are riding the Tour of Britain because particularly the sprinters, because they feel it will finish in a a bunch sprint. Uh,
0: Tani, uh, Frank Schleck, we did mention before his his stage win, uh, mountain stage win, it was a throwback to uh, Frank Schleck in his prime. Obviously, there's been a few bumps in the last few years. His zipper mid positive uh, a couple of years ago now and... I suppose also the the loss of Leopard from the pro scene as well is this I mean I feel like the way when he went to trek was just a sort of an artifact of that old setup I don't imagine that he'll really have much of a future there going forward I mean is this the last we might see of someone like Frank Schleck is this sort of oh no I think him Winning the Volta was a sign to say, "Look,
1: I'm still around. I still want to be around." Yeah, I think it's always always difficult. It's a bit like the Yates twins. You know, they want to go. They want to go to a team where both of them are welcomed, and so that's always quite difficult. Especially when Andy was riding better than Frank at one stage, and Frank wasn't really doing much. Uh, now there's only one of them in the pro peloton, so uh, I actually it was. First of all, it was rumoured that Cavendish was going to go to Trek and I thought, oh, okay, it's a nice breath of fresh air for that team. But, I mean, they've made some fairly high-profile acquisitions of late. So I, I would
0: say Schleck is now a, a stage hunter. Does Trek need... I mean, Trek needs a real root and branch renovation, doesn't it? I mean, they're losing, obviously, Fabian, Cancelara uh, end of next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, I suppose they're also thinking how do they reposition themselves to the future? That's what I mean in terms of Schleck. I mean, he is still this, and, and probably in the same way, Cancellara, that old Leopard setup sort of shadows what is supposed to be, in theory, a new team. Um, do they need that clear air, do you think, to
1: Yeah, properly... yeah. I, I guess what you're saying, yeah, these guys are looked as on as, like, talismans for their, their that team, but they don't really have a guide to take the mantle so they're hanging on to these guys and the thing is Cancellaro is still enormously popular he's still a a bona fide spring classics contender if not winner so there is reason to hold on to these guys we do have to remember you know he he did crash out of the tour while in the lead Uh, so he's still got it and so while he's still got it while he's still popular while he still has an affinity with the public and particularly the wider public you know there's all that Spartacus uh, hullabaloo surrounding him and so as a result you know that's a a good avenue in which to market a rider like that especially a a brand like um, Trek who kind of go for that type of um, you know, those, you know, you look on the bike shops outside a bike shop, which sells Trek, there'll be this, you know, really visceral image of Cancellar going up the, the Coppenberg or something like that. And people go, oh yeah, I want to be like
0: him. I want to buy a Trek. Yeah, and then $10,000 later, they have bought one. Yeah. A mad one yeah, or Madone as they sometimes called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Oh, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Trek mad one. Um, <laughs> What do you? Yeah, I suppose we'll see. See what happens. It's, it's always. I always think it's a funny nickname, Spartacus. I know it's sort of based on his that gladiatorial fighting aspect of uh, yeah. of Fabian, but Spartacus is the guy that sort of went up. It doesn't really. I mean, there's not a lot of further thought beyond that. nickname. No, I mean
1: it's just like you know, does he come to the race with um, what what a throng it, of freed yeah. slaves? Yeah, yeah, and then you know, it's like yeah, I was listening to. It. Uh, you know, the other uh, cycling podcasts and then Lionel Burnie was mentioning how Cipollini in the 1991 Tour de France came dressed as Caesar. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, in the skin suit. And then, you know, then you have, um, you know, uh, Ricardo Rico, the Cobra. You know, they put a Cobra on his bikes. You know, it's, it's kind of a bit ridiculous, but it's, it seems to appeal to not ask where it's not designed to appeal to people like us it's designed to appeal, appeal to the cycling aficionados the fans who who do like that you know they cling on to things like that's why i guess uh Didi, the the devil is just so popular
0: yeah yeah i mean it, it is funny we like we like these uh I don't know symbol symbolism of cycling. I don't know the the nicknames. The I, I think they're like almost character tours, you in, in a way.
1: And uh, yeah, it's it's a little, it's it's strange, <laughs> but then I guess it it, it adds color flavor to, to the sport. I mean, otherwise
0: it's quite you know. Otherwise, well, it's me and of, you talking of, in a studio in in our Yeah. Otherwise, it's quite <laughs> dull, really. Yeah. Um, Tani, you mentioned this before, but Tom Dumoulin, uh, with his time trial, put himself back in the lead. He's obviously still got a few days to go. To well, if he can hang on. But um, I've seen this mentioned a few times. He's ridden a very sort of Evans-esque uh, Grand Tour. You know, the time trial was his big ace that he could play, and he has ridden himself back into the lead. But very conservative throughout. You haven't. You've seen only a little bits of him. I mean, I know we saw a bit of him in the first week on that punchy finish, but for the most part he's been limiting his losses where he's needed to, knowing that that time trial was coming up. Um, It may not be enough, but uh, I don't know. There's a lot of character for someone who's only 24 years old to be riding in this sort of style of just limiting your losses determined every day after day.
1: Yeah, I, I think last week I said he rode like in Durain and I still feel he's riding like that, but then I think it's probably if you want to you know, compare someone in the same era, then it's probably closer to Wiggins. Mm. Uh, he's, you know, he comes from a similar pedigree and um, I'm not sure whether Dumoulin wrote on the track, but he, he comes from the time-trialling pedigree anyway and he's doing exactly what Wiggins did to win the tour in 2012. And, uh, yeah, I... Whatever happens to the result, you just have to admire his um, his clarity like his yeah, his tenacity. Uh, yeah, and just his lucidity in just being able to keep himself calm because one other thing is that um, Giant Alpersen didn't send a team a GC oriented team. They sent a team for Dagan Colb who hasn't won a trick yet. I know you like Dagan Colb but I, I just think, oh, you know. They should have, well, they shouldn't have sent. They should have put at least one climber to help him. He's
0: just without help in in that sense. I suppose that's where the Wiggins, I mean, sorry, the Evans parallel is a little bit more as well. I mean, it's very much a, yeah, you know, a reflection of just pure. I'm on my own. I'm going to do it on my own. Um, Although in the year that Evans won the tour, he
1: he had loads of help. You know, he that was a great team in 2011. Uh, I I just think this is a guy who really, if he does win, he has done it on it. Well, if he finishes on the podium, he, he's he's done that pretty much on his own, and he's yeah, he's uh, he's somewhat benefited from the the attacking that's gone on between these other players, these lightweight guys like Rodriguez, Aru, uh, Micah. I just feel. N- Hopefully, they'll attack each other and he'll just do his thing. And whether that doing his thing, limiting his losses, is enough to win the Volta. I mean, yeah, if, you know, when Wiggins won the tour, people said it was boring, but this has been intriguing. I mean, as much as I, I was carrying on how, about how farcical this race was, but now I, I, I wouldn't have thought. I'd be sitting here talking to you the the morning after me having stayed up. For a time trial in the second week
0: of the Fuelta. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I just didn't think there was enough. Okay, there was a lot of mountaintop finishers, 10 or 11, um, and there was a lot of big players, but I didn't think it was enough of a compelling... There'll be enough of a compelling narrative for me to stay up. And Mm. uh, I, you know... It's sort of—it's um, a
0: bit of an alley. I mean, you like the boxing uh, yeah. metaphors, Tony, but you know, he's, it's a, it's a sort of almost like a rope a dope. You know, he's taken a battering and he has yeah. then launched this. Yeah. Well, we knew the time trial was always going to come, but he's launched it back and he's sort of now in a good place. I suppose the third week is always decisive. We always say that, but uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot. He's been taking a battering. He's gonna He's come back a bit. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to kind of extend the boxing analogy, you know, Mike Tyson once said, it plan's all very well and good until you get punched in the face. <laughs> so <laughs> this is what he did. He, You know, he flattened everyone.
0: Yeah, uh, like a bulldozer. Yeah. I don't know if Dumoulin's going to be punching anyone. I hope not anyway. But uh, maybe some metaphorical punches. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Tanya, we've talked a bit about Dormalan. There are two other guys who in with a realistic shot after their time trial rides. Fabio Aru, I think, surprised probably a few people with the... I think it was what you'd have to say is quite a reasonable effort uh, in his TT ride. He now sits only three seconds adrift of Dumoulin. I think he would take that any day of the week. And Joaquin Rodriguez, uh, we always knew that this was his Achilles heel. I actually don't know if this is the worst result he could have envisioned, it's probably not the best. But uh, to, to be only a minute down at this point, it's it's not over for him either, you'd have to say.
1: Yeah, I think it's expected. Like, he was always hoping he could do more this stuff about, you know, the leader's jersey giving you wings. I don't, you know, I think we can now put that to rest. Uh, <laughs> but I would say that Aru, yeah, you know, like I said before, I think he did a... A race winning time trial, um, and um, yeah, the Burgos course did not suit him at all. You saw his crab-like um, climbing, you know, on the TT bike. It looks pretty ugly, but you know it's obviously effective enough. And then when you at- say crab-like, he was riding sideways. So that- pretty much. I mean, he, <laughs> if he if he actually dropped, held a straight line, he probably would be in the, the lead. <laughs> you know, he probably did a K more than. Uh, Do Milan in the end, but I, I would say clapping his hands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, this it's re- reminds me a lot of this writer, Spanish writer, Francisco Mancebo, who wrote similarly. Uh, but I would say, Addie Engels, the sport director at Giant Alperson, said we needed probably needed a bit more, and I think that says it. Oh, I think three, three seconds. I mean, even uh, tonight's stage, I mean, the None of the next three stages are particularly easy and partic- and especially, you know, the, the penultimate. Those guys, they seem... I wouldn't say Aru's at top, top form and maybe this TT might hurt mm. Aru because it would hurt obviously all of them, but maybe... Sometimes when you go really deep trying yeah, to chase a, a good ride, it ends yeah. up... What What's he going to have left in, in the tank?
0: Yeah, I suppose we'll we'll see that in the next few days. Uh, the GC, just so everyone knows, uh, Tom Dumoulin is top, three seconds ahead of Fabio Ruakim Rodriguez, third at one minute fifteen. Rafael Mica, two minutes twenty-two, pretty solid ride from Micah. We've probably forgotten talking about him throughout the the uh, the Vuelta, but he's really been impressive. Nara Quintana, don't forget about him. He's two fifty-three back, and Alejandro Valverde. 6th um, at 3.15. There are a couple of other uh, other riders down there, but really you'd probably be uh, re- grasping a little bit so that any of them are in contention for red. Uh, Tani, before we uh, move on to just quickly looking at the last three mountain stages and what they will offer, if Dumoulin did win, I'll put this to you, would it be the biggest bolter of a Grand Tour winner in the last two decades?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be so unfair if we if people were to say this is a Bradbury, a Stephen Bradbury moment, um, that ice skater won gold at the Olympics because they all fell down. I mean, these guys haven't... Fought, he, he's 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 basically um, just pulled a rabbit out of the hat
0: and uh, I, I would say... It, I can't think of a Grand Tour. I, I suppose what my point is, I can't think yeah. of a Grand Tour in recent history where... Someone has been so underrated before the Vuelta started, a Grand Tour started. I'm talking about Tour a yeah. Giro of Vuelta, and yeah. has gone on to to potentially win the race. I mean, usually you go, oh yeah. I mean, it's not crazy that that person won. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's crazy that Dumoulin could win, but
1: you yeah. wouldn't
0: say you wouldn't have said that 20 days ago.
1: No, no. You probably have to maybe go back with respect to Sean Kelly's. Walter. Although, you know, because after that, OK, then he was almost going to win a second one. I mean, he he actually pulled out three days before the finish uh, because he had a boil on his bottom. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, this is even more of a surprise. I mean, it was so left field that, you know, Giant didn't, didn't even bother sending a any sort of support for him, and I mean, they weren't even supporting him to begin with. You know, it's it's just come, mm. it's just developed by um, default, really. Pa-
0: perhaps, if actually, I was, oh, I've been, I've just sort of been ro- rolling through my mind when I remember who. Perhaps Oscar Pereiro's two thousand six Tour win would be close to the mark. Although even Pereiro was not exactly an unknown quantity going into that race, but to say that he was going to win mm. the Tour that year would have been.
1: Yeah, a a
0: stretch. I guess though, you know, he got lucky because of that
1: breakaway. I think can't remember where it went, but I remember Stuart O'Grady was in there and he got the yellow jersey. Montelamar, I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this hasn't been a result of a lucky break. He's just plugged away at it. Uh, In that way, it has been Evans-esque. You know, he's just kept chipping away. Uh, He hasn't hasn't been defeated by all these antics from, you know, the the, the climbers. He hasn't... Um, he's just been so steadfast. And uh, I even think, though, you look at the, the places that... Who's made the biggest jump, uh, apart from Dumoulin from fourth to first, but you look at the jumps, equal jumps, though, Quintana and Valverde, I just don't think you can discount them. It's funny, they've got better. I mean, to do that sort of time trial, which particularly didn't suit Quintana, and to move up three places, uh, Valverde also, I just think there's something don't, in there. Don't, don't forget about yeah, those yeah. guys
0: who are very classy bike riders.
1: Yeah, who are prepared to throw everything because they've done so well at the Tour. When you finish at the, on the podium the Tour, doesn't matter if you finish 5th uh, and 6th. The rest of the season doesn't yeah, really matter. Yeah, I think they can pretty much throw the kitchen sink. At uh, Dumoulin and the other guys, and see what what happens. All
0: right. Well, let's talk about the where that time might be made up in the next few stages. Well, as you we mentioned, Tommy Dumoulin is one uh, one minute clear of Joaquin Rodriguez, three seconds clear of Fabio Roo, um one minute fifteen rather ahead of Rodriguez. But uh, the question, I suppose, we've got to ask ourselves: Is there You know, 1 minute 15. Is there 2 minutes 22 to Rafael Micah? Is there 2 minutes 53 uh, to Quintana in these final three stages? Well, let's look at what is to come and uh, and figure it out. Uh, Mathematically, for sure. There's always time to be made up in any stage. And these stages aren't going to be easy. They do come in the final week. Everyone's bodies are a bit more tired. Um, I I would certainly think that it's Fabio Aru, Advantage Aru, but, uh, Tani, Roa Torriazza, that's got a, a very interesting little uh, peak, 10 kilometers out from the finish, a Category 1, um, the Puerto de, de la Cacera. Um that could, that could totally splinter the peloton. That could be a, a nice little springboard for anyone to launch an attack. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm particularly interested by stages 19 and, and 20, uh, the cobbled finish in Avila, it's not the hardest stage. I'm, I'm sure a breakaway will go and probably win. But, I, but just that little pointy bit at the very finish, I think, to be honest, um, I would not be surprised to see 30 seconds go. Um, if someone can just go hard from the bottom of the climb, I'm thinking someone like Rodriguez. It's, it's his style of climb. Short, yeah. punchy, cobbles. Plenty of power required. I don't know. Well, I- it
1: might even suit Dumala. I mean, look how he won that. Um, that he'll he'll top finish um, a, a week or so ago. Yeah. <clears throat> so he could do something there. Um, yeah. I I just think if you think back to the, uh, when have we been in this situation before? well we haven't with domelin we've just said that but in terms of you know how much time has been lost on say the penultimate stage uh, just look at this year's giro uh, contador could have lost the giro on on the, on the on the second to last stage he he just happened to ride within his limits i mean these guys this is probably yeah i mean the the hardest Gronto on on paper so i just think well, Dumoulin is the only one of these guys who hasn't ridden a full Grand Tour before in, in, this, top, um, in this top five, or the top six, in fact. Uh, so maybe in the top ten. In fact, he's the only guy who hasn't ridden a full Grand Tour before. So he, he also said he's, he said he still feels fresh. The other guys aren't saying that.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and certainly not the people who have, who have ridden other Grand Tours this season. Um, that is certainly a scary proposition, although I suppose we'll see what happens in the, ne- in the next few days. Tani, the, the last stage, oh, sorry, the penultimate stage, there's, of course, the, the final sprint in Madrid, but I don't think anyone's expecting much to happen there. Uh, four Category 1s, a really tough circuit uh, that goes over... Uh, the Puerto de, and um, I'm going to try and. Um, Nivarasque, Navasare- Nivascalara. Navasarara. Navasarara. Navasarara.
1: Yes. Yeah, they've done that quite a few times before. I mean, it's just. Cra- I mean, it's not crazy, but it's it's crazy hard given that what's transpired before. So you say, okay, how much flat is there? Pretty much zero. Yeah.
0: Uh, and it's relatively short. 175.8 Ks. Uh, This is the kind of stage, though, that, as you uh, talked about, could be a real good day for someone like uh, Valverde and Quintana to throw everything at the stage because uh, they've got nothing to lose. Everyone's going to be tired. Um, If they go early, maybe over the first, uh, even over the first climb, something something mental like that, or over the second climb, Mm. Uh, maybe put some guys up the road, just splinter the peloton to hell. I mean, it could be a really a, a cracking stage. But uh, Fabio Aru though, he, he is looking pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Dumoulin and how he can sort of maintain his control, and he's looking pretty. I mean, Aru's been climbing very solidly. He's these all these stages. He he just needs to ride defensively. That that's got to be it, right? I mean, he just has to be looking at. Yeah, and then punch them at the end. Mm. What Astana can't
1: control, though, is multiple moves. I mean, no one team can do that. I mean, even though they've got a good... They've brought a great team to the Volta. I just think... uh, That's why I think uh, the Movistar duo of Quintana and Valverde are just so dangerous. I mean, are they going to follow a move, yeah, from those two... If they if they go on the second of the four four climbs on that on the penultimate stage, no no they can't. They'll just have to ride tempo. Uh, but you know the these guys. I mean, I I don't know. You know, Quintana might pay back Valverde. Say, look, I will just ride for you uphill, down, dale the the whole day. He can do that for 150 <laughs> km. He's 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 lived his whole life at altitude. Uh, this this suits him to a T. He's getting stronger. Uh, I know I keep going on about this, but after this podcast finish, and I get home, I'll probably put ten bucks <laughs> on. I mean, I won't say I'm not a betting man. so I don't mind a wager or two, and I just think it's it's worth it um, mm. because look, he's he's got nothing to gain for the worlds. Uh, maybe Valverde has, but uh, you know, Quintana's by all accounts, gonna, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a sprint a fairly big sprint at the waltz and i, I just think uh th- these guys they just can throw everything out there they can they can put their feet up later you know in five days time
0: yep. Yeah. uh i suppose uh one question that i posited yesterday tanning in the blog i wrote was you know in terms of who do you think would be the most deserving winner of this year's welter um or perhaps who who would you like to see win um, those are different questions but mm. And you would like to see? I would the, like to see Rodriguez, but yeah. only because I think, I think a lot of his career has been defined by, as I said, has been defined by his near misses. And it probably, if if he does, if he misses a gout again, I think that's the way he will be remembered—the guy that sort of was and also ran at a lot of Grand Tours. He's been very consistent, almost sort of sastra esque I would say, over the last decade it would be nice if he could cap it out. If he can't, then I guess we'll remember him as a classics guy and guy that's won the World Tour many times. But Yeah,
1: I think that's, I mean, whatever happens, that's, I'll remember him not for perhaps, yeah, unless he does something so spectacular, which he's perhaps capable or still capable of doing, although he looks to me a little tired. Um, I, I just see him, yeah, I don't see him ever being in this position again. Uh I've always thought of him as a classics guy who can write a good Grand Tour. And so it wouldn't surprise me if he yeah, if he becomes away even outside of the podium. Uh I, I just I I feel like he's a sentimental favourite. He is for you, he is for so many others. Um,
0: but you know, uh sentiment has never won a Grand Tour. <laughs> um Dumoulin, though would be I think a a great winner for the the sport because I think, I uh, I think one of the few guys who I think who would really represent a turn you know a page turn for the history and uh, you know in terms of the welter I think we have touched on a few dodgy winners in the past people like Vina Kurov kashakin uh, Valverde Mansebo, uh Haras mm. if Tom Dumoulin won you know a few years after Chris Horner won I would really like it I think it would be the kind of statement the sport needs and would bring a lot of credibility to the sport going forward
1: yeah you know to borrow a tagline from you know my advertising days you know if Pepsi were to reinvent the the ad again you know this for Pepsi you know it would be this Dumoulin is the choice of a new generation and he really is the guy uh, is he's now Becoming he by default becoming the talisman for this new era of cycling. I mean, I, I think, you know, the jury perhaps uh, is still out, at least in, in on Twitter. Um, not that that's saying much because I think Twitter <laughs> has devolved into this farcical place where people just slag each other off. But, um, you know, I think... Yeah, the, the jury's still out on Astana. You know what what goes on there. They really they shouldn't have a license. Um, Rodriguez. I'm not saying there's anything untoward about him, but just because of his age, just because of the way he's done it, um, he, he looks like, by all accounts, he looks like he's riding clean to So you know, I think yeah, he's he's the one who always say, okay, you know,
0: now the page is turned. Uh, turning on that fine note we, we, maybe we should leave it there it's um, it's actually gone by very quickly but uh, we've gone through a lot and uh, it's been a pleasure hopefully uh, everyone at home is listening on I'd be interested to hear what everyone thinks of who they think should win or perhaps who they think will win the, the Vuelta a España and uh, what they thought of this year's race because uh, it has actually sort of been a, a real twist and turn from what perhaps we expected twenty days ago, as we mentioned. And uh, I'll be interested to see if how how interested people are even in in the welter, because that's another big question.
1: Yeah, and uh, whether we manage to sustain people's <laughs> interest for for this length of time to even or, hear the question, <laughs> or, or or you know, do you know? Uh, there we, we might have to invent. Well, if just you comes next week, uh, then then yeah. we'll have to have you'll have to have two imaginary friends. So he, at least we've just got one here, but he he's not
0: saying much. Do you think maybe we should test also? Just before we go, I wonder if Phil's listened to the end of this podcast. We'll just you know maybe we should say something disparaging about Phil, and then if he gets angry, we'll know if he listened or not. No, no, no. Okay, no, no, no. no let's, it's it's let's, good. It's good not to disparage could, people who employ yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, thanks very much for everyone for joining us. You can find Cycling Central as always on Twitter at Cycling Central, uh, Tanny's at Anthony underscore Tan, and I'm Al underscore at Al underscore Heinz. This podcast is also available directly on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Plus, of course, I'll put it on the Cycling Central website. Uh, hopefully, that'll be enough places for you to find it and get on it and listen to it that's it bye for now